Welcome to Page Rebels, where we spotlight indie authors and help readers find their next favorite books. I'm your host, Lori Thorne, and today we have contemporary fantasy author Meredith Stoddard with us. Now, before we jump in and learn all about Meredith and the River Maiden, uh, this is a wine time episode. So you are invited, friends, formally to pour yourself a glass of whatever your favorite thing is and just relax. Just relax a little bit. Oh, I like your glass. I love a stimulus. That's nice. I find, well, I, my kids are teenagers now, but I find that it was easier when they were younger to not knock these over. <laughs> Valid. I have three and they are younger and the, yes. the constant battle. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you drinking in there? What you got? Um, I have, uh, because I'm in Virginia and I have to represent Virginia wineries. I have uh, Jamestown Cellars Settlers Spiced Wine. It is very rainy and cold here today. So this is the perfect, it's a nice red that's got lots of clove and cinnamon and um, anise and stuff like that in it. So um, it's perfect for this weather. I'm super jealous. That sounds amazing. Mine is uh, Pinot Noir. I, I believe it's from Costco. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll get me by, but it's not spicy. Anyway, I would love to know more about you. And we're going to talk about the River Maiden and even hear an excerpt, which I'm this, that's my favorite part of these episodes. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to it. But tell us about you first. Uh, well, I am, um, as I said, I live in Virginia. I am a former corporate trainer and instructional designer. Um, but when I was in college, I minored in folklore and it sort of never left me. Even when I was working in the corporate world, I was always reading and learning and researching. And, um, and that love of folklore is sort of where this book series comes from and really most of the things that I write. So it never left. And then, um, you know, once I had some time when I left the corporate world, I actually started really dedicating time to creating something from that love. So that sounds super exciting. And I, I lived in Asheville for nice. many, it's my favorite place in the world, many years. And there is, so I, I know we're jumping the gun a little bit, but the River Maiden is set in the Blue Ridge um, area. Mm -hmm. And I know because I lived there for so long that there is like old and new folklore. Yeah. <laughs> new folklore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it's actually partially set in Chapel Hill because Chapel Hill, um, when I was a student, uh, has one of the few places where you could actually major or minor in folklore as an undergraduate um, at the time. And so their folklore department is very rich because of a lot of the um, a lot of the folklore of the Blue Ridge Mountains and areas like that. And so I had to create um, a sort of I had to create the place Kettle Holler, which is where my main character grew up um, out of that kind of milieu of uh, Blue Ridge Mountains and different small communities and things like that. So I hope I did them justice. Oh, I even the name. I'm. I it makes me so sore. Sure. Kettle hollow. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So I think we're going to start with the excerpt. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, now this is uh, right towards the beginning and Sarah is at the grandfather mountain Highland games um, at the campground and it is late at night. So she is about to turn in. 
A breeze whisked through the campsite and stirred her hair. It brushed the back of her neck like icy fingers, cold even for the mountains. As Sarah bent down to unzip the tent, a flash of white near the tree line caught her eye. She straightened up and stared into the woods behind the tent, trying to catch a glimpse of the thing. Hope it's not a skunk, she thought, bending down again and opening the tent. She had crawled halfway in when she st was stopped by a sound behind her. It was an odd sound, not a gasp, but like air being sucked in between teeth. Sarah turned her head to look over her shoulder, just in time to see a woman turning away and walking toward the trees. From her position, half in the tent, she only saw the woman's legs and the trail of her white skirt. Sarah backed out of the tent and took a few steps towards the woods. Wait, she thought. But before she uttered a word, the woman turned back to look, uh, turned to look back. Sarah's breath caught in her throat as she found herself staring into her mother's eyes. They stood frozen for a moment. Then Molly turned and walked deeper into the forest. Sarah trailed after her. They wound through the trees and around rocks. Molly always managed to stay a few steps out of Sarah's reach. Even in the dark, she could see the crown of spring flowers ringing Molly's head, just as they had done 19 years before when Sarah had put the crown there. Molly was moving faster, almost running, and Sarah tried harder to keep up, afraid she might lose sight of her in the trees. She wanted to call out to her mother, asking the questions that had lingered in her mind for years, but she was nearly out of breath. Sarah threw herself forward, trying to catch Molly, but she disappeared around an ancient and sprawling tree. Sarah rounded the trunk and stopped dead. Molly was standing in the center of a clearing. Her face was a blend of sadness, fear, and anger. She leaned forward from the waist toward Sarah and spoke a single word. At first, there was no sound, like someone had hit the mute button. Then the word came to Sarah in a gust of frigid wind that hit her square in the face. Run. I have chills. I'm so scared. <laughs> I was already scared because Sarah was following her into the wood. And you got to know better than to follow anything into the woods. Right. <laughs> Let alone the ghost of your mother. So <laughs> I'm like, no, don't, don't. It's so much safer. Yeah. Back in camp. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Oh, what a great cliffhanger. Thank you for that. Thank you. So you mentioned that you you went to uh, uh, Chapel Hill, that Chapel Hill is mm -hmm. like part of the kind of inspiration. Did you grow up in the area? I did not. Actually, I grew up here in Virginia, um, in Fredericksburg, uh, which is a very historic town. Lots of folklore here, too. Um, but uh, my parents are both Tar Heels from small towns. And so it's one of those things where no matter, even though my mother's lived here for like 40 plus years, she still refers to North Carolina as home. And um, so I like to say that we are Tar Heels in the diaspora. And um and that was, you know, I mean, that was Carolina was my only choice as far as college goes. That was sort of where I had to go, which fortunately turned out to be the right place for me because I really loved it. Um, but uh, but yeah, we were we're sort of all Tar Heels. Nice. And it, ooh, I'm, I'm still like 
I, and I already did because I read the blurb for your book before mm -hmm. preparing and your blurb is really compelling. Like it, it's itself is okay. ensnaring. Um, and now I'm even more eager to <laughs> read the whole thing. Um, but how do you, I was going to ask about the blurb in particular, because that's really hard to do. Uh, if people aren't familiar, I think, I think it's a hardship for a lot of authors anyway. Yeah. Um, it is for me. And yeah. It's silly. Because yeah. Well, it's the opposite of what we're told to do, right? We're trained and we spend so much time showing and trying not to, you know, summarize and things like that and to demonstrate these things. And then we get to the end and in order to sell it, we have to actually tell about it. And, um, and it's, it's difficult. Um, fortunately, I used to train salespeople. Um, that was one of the things that I did. So I read a lot of sales material um, and there are some great books um, out there about like writing successful blurbs and just, you know, the key I think to me is to start with a kind of hook, um, something that's going to grab the attention. Um, it's a lot like, you know, making a TikTok video. You have about five seconds, you know, or even less to grab somebody's attention. So that first sentence um, or the little bit in bold is the thing that you want to, you want them to see first and you want to intrigue people with. And that's, um, it's hard to do, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's important, I think, for creating that blurb that's going to get people's attention. Yeah, I'm taking notes. Start, start <laughs> with a hook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a question, like, you know, how is she going to get her life back on track or stay on track when all this other craziness is happening, which is usually the plot of most books. <laughs> yes, that's true. And the river maiden is book one in a five book series, but soon to be six though. I, yeah, I am working on a sixth book. Hmm. When, when can we expect the sixth book? Um, I cannot give a date yet. I have, I have it plotted out right now. I'm actually working on a spinoff book. Uh, I'm revising a spinoff book that I actually wrote back in 2019. And um, once I get a hold of that and kind of really get into that, um, I will be able to dedicate all my attention to work to book six, but I've plotted it out. And, um, and so I'm, it's there ready to be written uh, as soon as I get done with this one. Now, you, you told me that you're a, a serial plotter. Did you plot the whole story at the beginning or is it more book by book? Um, so <laughs> I am, uh, I'm really nerdy about plotting and um, I actually have beat sheets for, I have layered beat sheets. So I had like, I plotted out the first three books um, and the plot isn't always set in stone. Like the first the book, the second book, um, Cauldron, um, it, uh, I was in, uh, or I started out thinking it was going to cover a certain amount of time in her life. And then I started telling her mother's story, Molly, um, and that sort of snowballed and grew and grew and grew. So I ended up kind of changing and splitting what I originally thought was the plot into two. Um, but I, I plotted out the first three books and then I have kind of a, a beat sheet for the first trilogy. Um, and then I have like the, 
the next three books, um, four, five, and six, all plotted out. And I have a beat sheet for that trilogy. And I have some very like loose plots for three more books that may or may not um, make it. But um, book six is going to be the end of sort of Sarah's part um, of the story. So, Okay. How, how much time do you put into all of that planning and care? Um, that I, I'm getting faster at as I go, <laughs> like, uh, I can start out, um, and it helps if I don't have to create new characters. So that's one of the benefits of writing a series is that you don't always have to create a ton of new characters. Um, I have kind of these people who are my, my kids and, you know, um, you know and I know them inside and out. Um, so it makes plotting faster. Um, but what I generally do is I'll do like a snowflake diagram to brainstorm. And then um, once I kind of have all of that in my head and out onto the blackboard or um, sticky notes on the wall or whatever works, um, then I will create a beat sheet a la Save the Cat Writes Novel. And... Um, and basically make sure that I know where my pacing is and stuff like that. And then I take that beat sheet and I split it out into um, the scenes that I want to, you know, that I think need to happen in order to achieve each of those beats. That's incredible. It's so different from my own process. And uh, okay. I, I'm, I, I think I'm in the middle. Like I don't not plot, I do. I have a whole idea. I have scene ideas. I put, I kind of chunk them into chapters, but it's, it's much, it's much less. It's, <laughs> maybe I need to do more. Well, and like I said, <laughs> it's written in stone. You know? So if I get into something and it's working and it, you know, something else grows, then I can absolutely, you know, stop and sort of replot and see how it all fits together. So there are definitely detours and um, things. I know a lot of a lot of people think of plotting, pantsers especially, think of plotting as being really rigid and inflexible and no fun. And um, and I, I, you know, I disagree with that. I think that if you're if you're open to those changes, that's great. I just like to know, you know, basically what my destination is. Yeah. You know, if I take some detours along the way, then that's, you know, that's just more fun. Yeah. And I, I feel what you mean about writing characters too. Like you, you get to know them so well. I was not really expecting that. Um, and it was a delightful, it was a delightful surprise after the first novel. I was like, oh, well, I actually want to write about them more. And it wasn't a plan that I had, but I wrote a little novella for them. And it was so easy. It was very easy to write because it yeah. was like, well, I know exactly what they would do and how they would react. And <laughs> absolutely cool. and um and i mean it, it's the most fun first of all because i it took me like 15 years to write the first book and um because for 12 of those it sort of sat in a drawer um the first 50 pages just i wrote it in like 1999 and then it just kind of got shoved in a drawer and i had babies and moved and did all kinds of and built a whole career um but um those people still lived in my head all that time. You know, they were always there. And it's so exciting when you, with these people who, who have been part of you for so long, 
get out into the world and people respond to them mm. and enjoy them. And um, that's just so gratifying. And fortunately, I have readers who are as attached to Sarah and um, some of her castmates as I am, which is great. And and now, like I said, I'm working on a spinoff book because the draft is sitting right over here. <laughs> and um, and it's a spinoff uh, a, for a secondary character who does some questionable things in this book. And so I feel like she needs a redemption arc and that's mm. what this, um, this book is. But it's a totally different genre. It's a different attitude and um, just a whole, maybe a different series. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I like writing series. I like reading series. I love a good binge read. Um, yes. So, yeah. So yeah, it's a good I was gonna, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's. <laughs> I was going to ask about the, um, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if the main character is the favorite character, but I think it almost always is true. Um, so I'm going to ask, is the second favorite character, is that the person getting the spinoff or is it someone? Actually, no. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, I don't know if there's, you know, that's like asking which is your favorite of your children. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have favorites. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but no, I, uh, you know, there are just some characters that you love and, you know, make you want to keep writing them. Um, one of them is a character that doesn't in the Once and Future series, it doesn't show up until book three. But I just I can't get enough of him. Every time he turns up, I can't stop smiling. And, you know, so I have a beat sheet sitting on my hard drive of a book all about him that um, has not been written yet. Um, or even plotted out scene by scene, but it's there, you know, he might get something. Um, but there are other characters like that too. I mean, there are certain ones that you love and certain ones that you love to hate. Mm. Um, so, you know, but Sarah is a good one. Dermot, who is um, her sort of colleague who accompanies her on a lot of this adventure is another one that I just have a real affection for. And you told me that Sometimes, I mean, just despite all of the planning that you put in and your flexibility with it, sometimes finding time to write is a struggle. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you do it? You obviously accomplished a lot. This right? yeah. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I uh, you know I do that by, I mean, the challenge is of course, especially as a mother. Um, we do, uh, we do so much, you know, and, um, there's a lot of talk and recognition nowadays of the mental load mm -hmm. of motherhood and, um, and stuff like that. So we do a lot. And, um, even when our kids are teenagers, you know, like when we're done here, I'm going to go pick up my oldest from his job, you know? <laughs> so, um, we're always, you know, doing stuff. And it's hard sometimes to just set aside time and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I can't do any of that stuff today. I've got to write. And that's, uh, that's difficult. It helps to have a supportive partner. Um, it helps a lot. Um, but, you know, it's when you get time, that's when you just have to you know, find snatches of time where you can. Um, and so I find that writing sprints help a lot because I can snatch 25 minutes here or there and work in, you know, a few hundred words in a writing sprint. 
And um, if I can string together a few in a day, then, you know, then I hit my, my goal. And, um, and that's always, you know, that's always good, but daily word goals, writing sprints, all of that, I think has to go into that. But you always also have to remember to be kind to yourself. Um, Cause you know, as moms, we have a lot of guilt about feeling like we're not doing enough for our kids and stuff like that. But as writers, there's another kind of guilt where I feel like I didn't hit my word goal today. I'm not going to hit my deadline. I'm, you know, it's going to be terrible, which is one of the reasons why I think independent publishing works so well for some of us is that the deadlines are self-imposed. And, you know, so if I'm not going to have to pay back in advance if I miss my deadline, you know, or anything like that, or if I decide to scrap a book or something like that, it's not, um, you know, it's a little bit less pressure and allows us to be kind to ourselves as we go through this process. Um, and I think that's really important because I am, I am hard on myself. I am my worst critic and I am my worst, you know, I am the worst person about my work ethic and driving and stuff like that. But I'm also like, you know, a professional procrastinator. So, um, you know, you have to find, you have to find that balance and you have to learn to be kind to yourself. That is amazing. Amazing advice. I think it is, even though the deadline is coming from you, mm -hmm. it's so hard to know that you're going to miss something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last spring, um, when I was working on the fifth book, I had to push my um, release date out by a month. And it just about killed me. Like I felt so awful because people, because I know I have some readers waiting, you know, and people who are asking me, when's the next book? And I'm like, you know what guys, it's, you know, it's coming, but there's stuff, you know, that's, there's other stuff in life that just has to be done. And, yeah. you know, Sometimes it's in the way. Yeah. When I started, because I, I personally, I'm like a very type A person. And like, if I, if I make a goal, my tendency is to go after it like a, like a dog. Like I, I, I will forgo sleep. I would, <laughs> and I know this about myself and it's not healthy. Don't be like that. Yeah. I'm not advocating for that. <laughs> but, but it is just like the natural tendency that I have to fight against. Um, and so I just didn't make goals. I was like, I'm going to try to write this novel. I'm not making any goals. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it worked. Um, yeah. My initial goal was like published before I turn 40, I think. And, um, so I was 39 when <laughs> the rumor maiden came out. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, you know what, we've just got to, you know, set those manageable goals. I mean, that's the thing is that if you set these outrageous goals and you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to hit them then it's just going to make you feel worse. Um, so it's, it's, you know, a lot of that goal setting has to do with knowing yourself and knowing what you're capable of and knowing what your family will allow you to do. And, uh, if you have a day job, what that will allow you to do, you know, and, um, I'm, I'm so glad I don't have a day job. <laughs> My day job is mom and, um, and stuff because I have, uh, like I said, I have two and they're teenagers, but one of them um, does school at home. The one that's still in school does school at home. So, um, you know, there's a lot of like guiding that uh, during the day. And so, you know, you just have to, 
set those goals and make sure that they're manageable so that you don't stress yourself out. But yeah, when I was in the corporate world, I never missed a deadline. I was so like, if you told me when to have it done, I was going to have it done, period. You know, and um, of course, I was writing a lot of nonfiction then because <laughs> that's, you know, the business that we were in. So that was a lot easier. It's a lot easier to write about tax software than it is about, um, you know, all of this and feelings, big feelings. Right. The creativity part. It yeah. is. Um, I was in corporate for a very long time as well. And I remember in an interview once someone asked, like, when is the last time you missed a deadline? And I very honestly was like, that has never happened. And they gave me feedback that it wasn't believable answer. <laughs> and I was like, it is the truth though. I don't yeah. know what to tell Sorry. you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I know why I never missed one. Cause I was, I, I don't know. I had, I grew up in a high demand household where much yes. was expected. And like I said, getting into Carolina from out of state was not, you know, negotiable. So um, it was a lot of, you know, everything has to be the best and your work has to be the best and stuff like that. So, you know, I never dropped a class. I never missed a deadline, you know, all this stuff. And it served me well in the corporate world. It looked great, but man, it stresses you out. It does. Yeah. It catches up. It catches it up. <laughs> it absolutely does. And I mean, I personally think getting laid off, which is how I left the corporate world was the best thing that happened to me because it enabled me to stay home with my kids and work on writing and stuff like that. So I'm living that out. right now. I was just laid off last month. Oh no. And, uh, and no, yeah. like already, already it has been such a blessing in disguise. And I mean, I'm, I'm so privileged to say that. Um, I know that's not yeah. true for everybody. Um, but for me, being in the position that I'm in, and it's just very, very lucky, and I've gotten to write more, and it's it's nice for me to hear that it worked out for you because I'm I'm fingers crossed over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it goes back to having a supportive partner. It's so it makes such a difference, and um, yeah, I mean, when I got laid off, my husband's like, "Well," and I was like, "Where am I going to find another training job that doesn't involve a long commute?" Because we're sort of halfway between Richmond and DC. And um, so, you know, most of the training jobs around are either in Richmond or DC, not here. You know, there aren't that many large employers here. So I was like, great, you know, what am I going to do? And he's like, well, why do you need to do anything? <laughs> Just stay home. What a question. <laughs> I feel like I'm busier now than I was before. Yeah. Do you have yeah. that experience? Um, yeah, especially with kids. I, I feel like, you know, especially when they were younger and um, needed a lot more guidance and stuff like that. It was it was a lot of, you know, I my my younger one was two, I think, when I got laid off. And so that was that was a lot of just, you know, getting into taking care of toddlers all day and dropping them off at the various appropriate schools. <laughs> Yes. And stuff like that. So, <laughs> it, you know, but I mean, that's all worth it. It's just dealing with this, but it does make it a lot easier to do something creative when you don't have that day job. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's also, I mean, it's a strain when you're a one income household and things get scary, you know, but 
it all, you know, and I mean, that was 2008 when I got laid off and it was, you know, I lost my job. We lost two thirds of the value of our house um, in the, when the economy crashed. So it was, it was a time, (laughs) but, uh, but it's worked out really well. So. Okay. Well, you've given us great advice to be kind to ourselves and to write the hook for the, for the blurb. (laughs) Really am keeping notes, (laughs) but um, what parting advice can you give us? It doesn't have to be related to books. It just open question. I love to ask anyone because I am a collector. of all (laughs) Um, I think the, the biggest one for me, as far as publishing goes is just, remember that it is a business. It's so, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the creative aspects of it because that's where the fun is. Right. But, um, but it's still a business. And if you're, if you are an indie author, you have to know that and you have to know the business aspects of it. And if, if that's the path you want to go down, then, you know, folks need to do their research, uh, look into marketing and blurb writing and, um, you know, all of the various and how the mechanics of how to get books distributed and whether or not, you know, Kindle Unlimited is for you or there's so many questions involved in the business aspect of being an indie author that, you know, you really need to do your research and, um, and just learn the market and learn what works for people. Consider the full picture. Yes. And reach out too. Cause I would say like, I love like TikTok. Mm-hmm. I know you're on there as well. It's a very supportive community. So if, if you don't know something or if you're wondering A versus B, like fi- find one of us and yeah. just ask. <laughs> Absolutely. And most authors are willing to help. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's great if you can find like a group of authors, like I um, have belonged to this author collective bookish road trip. Um, and we kind of build community around each other's books and around books in general and travel and stuff like that. But, um, it's good to find those authors who you can go to with varying experiences. You know, some are best-selling authors, some are, uh, traditionally published, some are indie public, you know, published themselves, some, um, do hybrid publishing and just kind of feed on each other's experiences and help each other out. Um, cause yeah, there's, there's, it's a tough world out there. So if you can get friends, um, and, uh, get some supportive people around you and reach out when you have a question. And if you see somebody who something's working for, don't hesitate to reach out because usually they are willing to share. Um, you know, I think there are very few authors who, who see other authors as competition, um, because they're not, because readers don't just say, I'm only going to read books by this author, <laughs> or I'm only going to read books in this genre. Um, you know, most readers I know uh, change genres, change authors all the time. Mm-hmm. So avid readers are avid readers. They read an amazing amount too. Yes, I feel like are. I'm an avid reader, but some of these people. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, The River Maiden, Once and Future, is available now um, and other books in the series also. All these others. (laughs) Incredible. Definitely go check that out. And I'll put the link in our show notes to make it 
so easy to do so. And where else can we find you online, Meredith? Um, I am, of course, as you mentioned on TikTok, I'm MR Stoddard, uh, same on Instagram. Uh, and my website is meredithstoddard.com. And um, of course, join my newsletter because I do uh, occasionally for readers of the series, I will occasionally publish an exclusive short story. One, I'm working on one right now, actually, um, for that is sort of from the perspective of some of the secondary characters. So it just enriches the world of the series. A very cool thing. Do not miss out. I'll put that also in the show notes just to make it easy for everybody. Um, and thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to this episode of Page Rebels, please follow us, give us a subscribe, and we'll see you next time.